Welcome to episode 110 of the Ben Briggs podcast. I am Ben Briggs. It's uh, it's Saturday's episode, people, but it is Monday, uh, Monday, the 25th of May, 2000, 2020, and it is bank holiday fucking Monday, people. I hope you're out there enjoying the sunshine. Um... Those of you in uh, who have a bank holiday, anyway, uh, those of you who are uh, not um, of the UK persuasion, um, it is a public holiday today. It's basically where the banks are gone. Uh, fuck it, we ain't working today. Um, you you want to do a bit of banking? You can do that on fucking Tuesday. We're taking the day off today. Um, you can't do any banking today, all right? You know, just go out and about, potter about in your gardens, do whatever you want to do, get pissed on Sunday night, recover on the Monday, back to work Tuesday. But make sure you're back in the bank on Tuesday. We need to make some fucking money off you. Um, Yeah, so uh, everybody is out and about today uh, because the weather is fucking glorious. Um, I cannot stress that enough, how glorious the weather is today. The sun's shining, not a cloud in the sky, people out and about on their bikes have managed to fucking track down online, which I still haven't been able to do yet. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, everybody's walking about and shit. Uh, I have become addicted, um, over the last week, um, to uh, fucking white chocolate Magnum ice creams. I tell you what, the old uh, the old belly's going back on a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's starting to uh, it's starting to enlarge a little bit. Eating ice cream every day. Fucking why is it so nice? That's the thing, isn't it? Everything that's good for you isn't that tasty. Everything that's bad for you, fucking hell, man. It's just I am hammering through hammering through those and i don't care at the moment it's bank holiday monday so uh i'm enjoying myself it's uh it's about 8 25 at night actually so uh, it's starting to get a little bit cooler but it's been fucking roasting today um i have uh i've been sitting outside reading my book educating myself again um sitting outside briggs towers on the lawn uh, it's been fucking beautiful because it's south facing. It gets the fucking light all the time. Uh, from about ten thirty in the morning, the sun starts coming round, and it's just fucking beautiful sitting out there. Uh, so I'm a little bit, little bit roasted, um, but um, I'm enjoying it. I hope your week is uh, is off to a good start wherever you may be. If you're working today, it's hard to tell the difference at the moment between a bank holiday Monday when everybody's off work anyway. Most of the people are off work anyway. You know, you still got the supermarket workers in working hard. The nurses, I imagine, sweating over their patients and uh, generally being angelic and heroic. Uh, I don't know, just, you know, just uh, washing into, like, uh, uh, hospital wards and... Uh, uh, getting a cold flannel and putting it on people's heads, very much uh, Florence Nightingale style, I imagine. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've heard that uh, the hospitals aren't really that busy, to be honest, because everybody's staying away from the fucking breeding zone of this coronavirus shit. Uh, everything's loosening up a little bit here. Uh, shops are starting to open. Garden centres are open now, so everybody... Um, 
everybody is fucking exploring that at the moment. It's it's gone in. I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast, but it's it's gone in cycles. Apparently, all around the world, this thing has gone in cycles. People's purchasing thing. As soon as it came out, everybody was fucking panicked buying food. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? You couldn't get hold of bog roll anywhere, and everybody's storing the fucking bog roll and fucking pasta and fucking rice up and all that sort of shit. Now that's gone to the wayside. Uh, then everybody bought bikes, and now everybody's buying garden centre shit again. Gravel, I don't know. You can't get hold of gravel for love nor money these days, apparently. Um, that seems a long time ago, doesn't it now? You know, the initial kickoff to all of this coronavirus thing, and we're still more or less in lockdown, aren't we? You know, depending on whether you're uh, a government advisor or not. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but we, um, yeah, it seems a very long time ago that all of this began. Um, I was talking, like, about going to New York when I was in New York in um, February. And um, that seems like fucking a lifetime ago. You know, we're just into the drudgery now of everyday life. The people who are working from home get up every day, work in your pyjamas, do the same thing, sit in your house and fucking work. Everybody else who's got to go out to work. And then there's the people still furloughed, so they're off work doing fuck all. I don't know. They're the ones who are buying up all the shit, man. The people who ain't working at the minute. Um, But it seems a very long time ago since all this started, and I seem to have done... Um, quite a lot of stuff as well. Everybody's house after this is going to be fucking pristine. Isn't it? Every little bit of painting that needs doing. It's the best, after this coronavirus thing, it is the best time to fucking sell your house because it is never going to look as good as this. You're never going to have the time to put into the decorating, doing the garden, Fucking out. It's going to be... Everybody's house is going to look like a fucking show home by the end of it. Um, I don't know, people. But um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's still cracking on, isn't it? We're taking it one day at a time. I hope... Uh, hopefully, it looks like um, the death rate is going down. People getting a little bit stronger. We've got rid of all the weakies. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Um, but... Um, yeah, it, it seems like everything's coming down a little bit. Uh, it's interesting, like, seeing this feels like it could be a dry run for something else. I don't know. That's all I'm just saying. You know what I mean? This is just to see if we're uh, if we're up to the job of surviving, maybe. I don't know. It's uh, It just it just feels like it, it was going to be a horrendous thing. Uh, I think there's 36,000 deaths or something, which is no mean feat to be honest, but uh, death rates are going down in this country and we're like second or third in the world or something like that. We're on the podium. For a little country, we've done quite well with our death rate um, on this virus, but um, everything seems to be starting to loosen up a little bit. Things, you know, everything's reopening, people going about a little bit more, Uh, not as much as Dominic Cummins. Uh, which is the big story that has broke here in the UK, uh, England, uh, uh, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Um, Dominic Cummins is basically a uh, political advisor to our um, fucking absolute weapon of a prime minister. 
And um, uh, he has been ousted, uh, found out, uh, hunted down, whatever you want to call it, rousted in the media. Is that a word? Who knows? Uh, this weekend because somebody spotted him like in Durham, uh, which is like about 260 miles away from London. And, um, yeah, so he's in a bit of shit of that because, like, this happened at the time when the lockdown was on. And uh, people seem, uh, people are, I mean, fucking social media has gone mental with this. Everybody's got far too much time on their hands and just creating memes and creating fucking stupid little fucking little puns about fucking coming because that's his fucking last name. Um, I imagine he got hounded at school a little bit like that. That's probably why he's got, you know, that megalomaniac fucking I'll do whatever I want shit about it. But um, he has, um, yeah, he's been found out that he's, uh, and then came up with the worst excuse ever saying that he needed to test his eyes or something like that. You know, why didn't he just turn? I'd have had more respect for him if he just turned round after travelling 260 miles um, during lockdown, uh, there was something to do with his family being ill or he needed fucking, you know, childcare or something like that. But you put in something about, like, his eyesight or... I don't know, really. I just read the headlines, people, don't I? Um, but um, I'd have had a lot more respect for him if he'd have just turned around and said, look, you're all fucking doing it. You're just not as high profile as me, so nobody gives a fuck about what you're doing. Uh, that would, that would, I'd have a lot more because we are all doing it. We're all doing it. You know, you're all going around, sneaking around to see your friend, your family, something like that. You're not getting, you know, everybody's saying, hey, man, I'm staying two metres away from everybody. I'm being really great. Are you, though, really? You know, when you're going around the supermarket and somebody's at the exact bit you want to be at, of course, you get up close to them so they fucking move away. What is all that about, by the way? As soon as you go shopping, you're guaranteed, guaranteed that whatever you want, somebody will pull up in a trolley and and they're the fucking dozy bastards who are just going, well, I don't know if I want that soup or that soup, so I'll just hang around here for fucking 10 minutes. Like, they're the only person shopping at the moment. I don't know. But yeah, uh, Dominic Cummins is in, is in a bit of shit. He was the one who sort of like... Um, uh, took control and sort of like manufactured the Brexit, um, uh, the Brexit result. Basically, he manipulated it with algorithms and shit like that. It was a fucking brilliant way he did it. There's a film I mentioned it before. Uh, I don't know why I just pointed to my TV there. Um, there's a uh, there's a film with uh, Benedict Cumberpatch in that. Uh, I think it's called the Brexit Story or something like that. Um where they just didn't give a shit about, like, there was a third that were for Brexit, a third of the country who were against Brexit, and they just concentrated on manipulating the people who just wander around and have no opinion about anything. And uh, he was the guy behind that. Um, So it was, uh, yeah, and now he's been found out that he's been going to see his family in fucking Durham and shit like that. Not like any of us haven't been doing that, you know what I mean? But... Because nobody's been found out about it, they're you know they everybody uses it as a political slant, don't they? You know they're using this basically to say that uh, Boris Johnson is inept. I don't know why. You know, you never get any 
sort of like sound, sort of like completely objective reporting in the media, do you? Either they're for the government or against the government and they push that fucking party line. There's never a, there's never anybody saying, well, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, we was a bit stupid doing this, but fuck it. We've all been doing it, haven't we? You know, but we do it in a sneaky way where our neighbours don't fucking report on us, hopefully. Although some neighbours, apparently, in other areas of the country, obviously have been dobbing each other in, and Northampton itself. Although uh, this is has not been the case. My, uh, my neighbours seem to uh, be tight-lipped about everything uh, when it comes to that, because we're all sort of breaking the rules a little bit, I suppose. Uh, let's have a little bit of tea. So, yeah, so with all all of this, we've got this, you know, the whole thing these days. Now people have realized they've got some sort of power via Facebook or Twitter or something like that. I imagine there's a petition that's been set up to get him sacked, you know. And the people for the government, I imagine they've set up a petition to uh, allow him to drive 300 miles instead of 260. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, dear, there's more that, you know, it's not just black and white, is it? In everything. That's how social media tries to play everything out, doesn't it? Like, there's, like, there's, it's just a black and white situation. But there's grey areas, and the rest of us are all within that grey area at the moment. Um, because, like, we're, as I say, we're all breaking, you know, we're all stretching those boundaries a little bit, aren't we? Um, so that's the thing, the major story that's been going on this fucking week in the UK, and everybody has been, ah, oh, should have gone to Specsavers, fucking the amount of memes I've seen on that theme because of his eyesight thing, or, you know, hilarious, hilarious. Can we just get back to going on stage, please? <laughs> that's one thing. That's going to be good about going on stage again and gig starting up. People won't have the time to make up memes or fucking shitty little puns about fucking Dominic Cummins' surname. Uh, I don't know. Talking of which, talking of which, um, uh, not talking about uh, Dominic Cummins' surname, but uh, talking of uh, uh, getting back on stage, we have some more questions. Um. Let's have a little. Uh, let's have a little bit of tea before I start this. What I don't know what it is. As soon as I start the podcast, my mouth gets dry. I don't know what that's about. Is that a symptom? Is it coming into me right now? The old coronavirus. Who knows? Who knows? There's so many fucking symptoms for it out there. You got no idea. I'm sure there's somebody out there who stubbed his toe, and like if you look on the internet somewhere. There's a, that's a, a, a throbbing toe is probably one of the fucking symptoms for it. That was that's one of the main things about it. You get a little sniffle or something, and you think, "Holy shit, this is it!" Or you wake up like the other day. I I fell asleep on the sofa and woke up fucking covered in sweat, and then realised it was the sun had been coming through the window, just moved round and been on me for about an hour. Whilst I was asleep, of course I'm going to be covered in sweat. But I woke up thinking, "Oh fuck, this is it. I've got about five days to live." Start packing up everything to make it easier for the people, the house clearance people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, 
Let's get this. Uh, let's get these questions done. We have questions um, uh, from uh, another stand-up comedian, uh, Ben Aveling. Uh, Aveling, 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 Aveling. Ben Aveling. Um, yeah, sent a few questions through, and uh, I shall be answering them now. Uh, here was the email. Uh, Hello, mate. Hope you're well. Yes, I am. Thank you for asking. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for asking if I'm well. You know what? I didn't think I was when I woke up from a sleep on the sofa the other day, but it was just the sun. Uh, <laughs> As an avid listener, I, I thought I'd ask some questions for the podcast. Uh, feel free to not reply. I will reply, actually, Ben. I will reply uh, if you feel they're not fitting. I don't know. It depends how inappropriate they are, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. Um, when you write, uh, question one, uh, when you write your comedy sets, <laughs> like I have a plan with what I'm writing, do you have a particular process or routine? Um, yes, uh, I basically, I, I've started using this as a little bit of a tool, obviously, uh, the old podcast, I'll mention things and then go, oh, that's a nice little fucking, nice little fucking bit or um uh, you know, obviously listeners out there thinking, well, it can't really happen that often, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, or oh, that's a nice little idea or something like that. I think of a nice little idea uh, or I think, you know, uh, I don't really, you know, I don't do puns. So it's like lo- lo- long winded stuff. So I'll take a little bit. And basically what I do, I'll just scribble it down. Let's have a look. I've got shit around here and I. Um, I'll scribble down a little idea. Uh, what did I scribble down the other day? It was on the back of a fucking receipt or something. I don't know. It's not on there, but I'll, I'll like write it out. Um, there was the bit about, um, uh, there was a, there was a bit I spoke about on the podcast the other day about ghosts and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, that's a nice little idea. I might be able to expand that or something. Not taking that idea that I've done on the podcast, but or just think of little things or or things that have happened, sort of like little hypocrisies or, you know, little truths, little things like that. I take them, I write it down, and uh, on notes like that, notes like that. And um, I'll do that. Um, and then, basically, I revisit it um, and I'll write it out in full. It depends. Sometimes you just get a little idea or sometimes you get, like, it'll be a whole bit. And I write it out verbatim as a verbatim or verbatim, either either. Um, so I write that out um, pretty much full length in longhand um, just to get my ideas on a page, um, more or less. And then I, um, I'll i revisit it, rewrite it, and... Um, and uh, and that's when I sort of like take it to open mics. Obviously, we can't do that at the moment. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my I have an idea. I'll write it down if it's an initial idea. Some things like hit me um, all the time and I'll write it. Eventually, I'll write it out like verbatim the way I want it. And then um, or the way I'm thinking it really is more than the way I write it. Like it's how I is it. Yeah, I know this sounds wanky and that sort of thing, but it's really just like I write ideas down like the way I think them, and I I work around that. Then I'm not tied to that page. Like I'll I'll have key points 
that I use and I think I need to hit that bit, I need to hit that bit, I need to hit that bit. But the way I get there um, is not necessarily how it's written down or it's just how I remember it easiest, really. I'll just, uh, uh, that whole page of like, a whole page of writing, I'll just get to like three or four or five bullet points where I think I need to hit that point and that sort of like ricochets me onto the next bit. And um, and it may not even be a punchline. That's the thing that uh, it's just it'll just be a single word that I hit that will get me to the next bit and then the next word. And then that'll go like that. Yeah, I don't really work from punchline to punchline. I just work from sort of like individual words when I've finally got down to it and, you know, sort of like remembered it and, you know, worked it out on stage and shit like that. So that's my process, really. It's mainly stuff I talk about is stuff that pisses me off. Um, I'm not one to do sort of like one-liners. Um, I, I I don't know. I like exploring a topic. So there's some sort of like, you know, maybe, you know, you start with a premise and you fucking hit that premise out. And then um, you, it's almost like doing a sort of like science project. You do for and against and then you fucking, you know, or your opinion on it, which may not be like uh, the audience's opinion, but you fucking try and manipulate them through the use of words to uh, laugh at what you're saying. Um, so that's kind of like, that's my um, my writing process, yeah. I do quite a bit of the writing on stage. Once I've got the initial idea, I'll try it out at open mic nights and shit like that and then try and see what works or, like, just have a free flow to it so I can hit the bits that I want to hit and then around those bits I fucking almost, uh, you know, just think of, you know, think of shit to fit around that on stage. So I'm thinking of it as I'm saying it, and then I'll go, oh, that's a nice little bit I've just come out with, or that's a nice little bit I've just come out with. So, um, and then record that shit and listen back to it and go, yeah, I'll keep that bit in that I fucked around. Hey, guys, I'm going to do a bit of improv now for ya. I'm going to improv this bit. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that, but slightly less wanky than improv, I imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's that. That's how I sort of like, uh, I, I hope that answers your question. I know it's a little bit around the houses, but sometimes even you don't really know how you write shit. You know what I mean? It just sort of like comes to you, man. Um, yeah, you you do that and then, um, and obviously make sure it's got bits going all the way through. Like, so it's not like a 10 minute bit with a fucking punchline at the end but it's got funny bits like all the way through or funny opinions, mainly opinions and shit like that, um, rather than conventional joke writing of like, hey, here's a word that's got two meanings. I'm going to switch those meanings in front of your very eyes and you can laugh now, like doing puns and shit. So, um, yeah, I have, no, I have no time for that, really. Uh, unless it's in everyday life. Oh, there we go. Uh, question two. Here we go. Uh, have you got an official worst gig ever? Um, I've heard some on the show, but thought I'd ask. Um, I've I've fucking got fucking shitloads of fucking horrendous gigs, to be honest. <laughs> fucking awful ones. Even ones that seem bad. Uh, let's have a bit of tea before I start this bit. 
even ones that potentially sound bad, i.e. the three times that people have mounted the stage and tried to punch me, even those ones, I look back with a sort of like warmth some days when I think of the horrendous gigs I've done. The horrendous gigs are always the ones that sneak up on you when you're on your own. You know, you're like, you're doing something. You know, you know, you're doing something laborious, doing a bit of painting or, you know, you know, fucking around or outside having a fag or, or, you know, just relaxing, just going to sleep at night. And then suddenly, bang, they're fucking in your mind and you're like, oh, fuck, I remember that shit. Uh, A lot of, a lot of shit, fucking horrible gigs. Yeah. You know, the ones where. Just an apathetic audience. I've got, you know, I remember I remember doing one gig at a swing night and I was the only comedian on and the woman, um, I think it was the first gig she ran and she booked me for it. She'd seen me somewhere else and she booked me for the gig and um, they're all there's a massive hall and they're all sitting around the hall, the outside of the hall. And then the swing music started and they all started jiving like they did in the fucking 60s. It got very grease, you know, with uh, with old age pensioners and shit. Um, and then they were really enjoying that and having a great time. And then they cut the music and said, OK, stop enjoying yourself. Now we've got the comedian. Welcome to the stage, Ben. No surname. No surname. And the stage was at the end. They were sitting around. This hall must have, you know, to give to give an idea of how big the fucking hall was, it must have held like about um, four basketball courts, something like that, and they're all sitting around the outside. No tables, nothing like that. They're just sitting around the outside of the fucking court. And the 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 stage was possibly about six foot high, Right at one end, they were right down the other end, and in the end, I I got a wireless mic, and just fucking walked round, basically insulting people for thirty minutes. Uh, that was pretty horrendous, uh, but managed to fucking hold my head up and get it. I think that's the main thing with a bad gig. As long as you don't fucking let that fucking get to you and you can still walk out with your head held up high sometimes you just got to run a gig into the ground baby you just got to fucking burn it to the ground (laughs) just so you at least go out with a modicum of self-respect you know some some gigs are just going to be shit the sounds shit the fucking audience are fucking wank you know like they're not up for it you know, something's wrong with a gig. It's just some gigs are going to go like that. And if you can just, like, somehow cobble together that it's not fucking bothering you, I think that's it. I think there's a there's a lot to be said in those circumstances for not giving a fuck and not put, putting your fucking ego on the line for those gigs, you know? Uh, and so you can walk out and go, well, fuck you, you know, Maybe even say that from stage as well. Oh, fucking hell. And just run it into the fucking ground. (laughs) You're only up there 20 minutes. How bad is it going to be? You know, 
Yeah, you, you kind of have a like. I I think it's quite a good thing to have certain circumstances where somebody mounts the stage to try and punch you in the face. You know, it ain't gonna get any worse than that. You know, people sitting there with fucking you know arms folded, just looking bored. That's a fucking dream compared to somebody like trying to um fucking put physical violence on your body. Um. So, yeah, I've I've got a lot of bad gigs. They all sort of, like, merge into one, but they fucking pop out of the woodwork every now and again, you know. They're just like, oh, fuck, man, I remember that. Oh, Jesus, I remember that fucking geezer's face to this day or that woman's face just fucking staring at me. Um, But you, you get to the stage where you fucking bite back a little bit and you just think, oh, fuck this. You're not going to fucking, you know destroy me by this if anything i I fucking go back so uh yeah the, whatever how bad the gig is it's you know you're gonna move on to the next one you just don't want it to fucking i know like people who have given up comedy because they had a bad gig or whatever fuck them what you know fuck that audience fuck them and tell them to go fuck themselves as well if it's shit um yeah and sometimes you know there's a, there's a nice thing to be said for honesty. People kind of respect that a little bit sometimes, especially if the circumstances are bad and shit and the audience know it's shit, you know. You can be honest about it, you know, or honest about how you're doing. They say people respect that. All you've got to do is keep your self-respect. That's it. Uh, but yes, uh, that, that one at that fucking swing club always springs to mind, man. Um yeah, I've had a, yeah, I've had too many horrendous gigs that if I thought about, um, you know, the next episode of this podcast would just be me, like the sound of like a fucking twelve stone white guy swinging from a fucking rope. Uh, so I push it all back down there with the uh, childhood issues I've still got, and they're next to each other in the back of my brain. And one day they're gonna come out, aren't they? Probably at a gig. Um, you know, I'll be telling the hostages at that gig that I've taken all about all these fucking issues and why they should have laughed. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what else we got? First gig ever. Um, first gig ever was... Uh, it went... Uh, it went disastrous. Well, my second gig was really good. First gig ever being on stage was um, my parents knew people who owned a um owned a fucking working men's club and um to shove me into doing this i uh they said you can come down and do five minutes on a night and it was fucking horrendous uh they announced the buffet and then announced me to go up and tell jokes for five minutes um yeah it wasn't great uh, to be perfectly honest, but I got some sort of buzz out of it. Um, I got, uh, I got fucking out. Uh, the Volavons got a lot more interest than I did. Let's let's put it that way. And then I didn't know really. This is thirteen years ago. Um, I didn't really before the fucking you know the scene of the comedy circuit or the comedy scene. 
13, 12 years. Yeah, that was 13 years ago when I did that. And then I didn't really know how to go about getting gigs. Um, it was mainly when Facebook was taking off, 2008. Uh, you know, Facebook over here anyways taking off. Uh, let's have a bit more tea. So there wasn't very many Facebook groups or anything like that. Um, I remember going on Chortle and I think I Googled like uh, comedy courses and there was a weekend course. Um, but they put you in a gig for the end of it. And the main thing that was on the thing was um, uh, they, uh, they give you contacts for gigs and stuff like that. And that's all I wanted. I think it was about 60 quid for the weekend course or something. And it was two days. Uh, down in London for the Laughing Horse, I think it was. I don't know. But I know they put you in a gig at the end of it that turned out to be some sort of competition and there was like 25 people. I think five went through and I was one of the ones that went through after that. And the course was basically turn up with five minutes of material and just do it in front of the other course people. And I turned up with the, a new five minutes after that fucking horrendous working men's club gig and did that. Uh, they didn't really teach us anything to do with joke writing or whatever, or uh, it was just sitting, basically sitting in a group. Uh, you'd get up, you'd do your material, and people would say whether they liked it or not, and then you resented them for it. And that was two days of that, and then on the final day, they put you in for a gig, Um which turned out to be a heat of the laughing horse competition or whatever. So um, got through that and then died in the next gig, but I was fucking hooked by then anyway. Um, it's, uh, and then, yeah, that was it. So my first ever gig was in a fucking shitty working men's club. I should have done chubby brown stuff. They'd have fucking loved it. Should have pulled out the old fucking racist shit out of my pocket. They'd have fucking creamed their fucking little pension and knickers over that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're on 34 minutes and uh, best gig ever. I don't know, man. Uh, hey, I'm not done yet. You know what I mean? I think that's a philosophy. This is the philosophy I have about stand-ups. Um, best gig ever is always your next gig you're doing. Isn't it? Like, that's it. That's why we keep doing it. Isn't it? You know, I've had good gigs in the past, obviously. Um, but um, best gig ever. You still... You're still chasing that every fucking gig. You can see somebody... Stand-ups are the most fucking optimistic people out there. I know everybody says stand-ups fucking just moan about shit. and uh, But we're the most optimistic people out there. Because we can watch one of our colleagues go on stage, die on his fucking ass or her ass. And the audience are fucking against them. The gig's shit. You know, the mic's not working, keeps cutting out. You know, the audience are fucking apathetic. The lighting's fucking flickering. The acting you're following is dying on stage. And I guarantee you every fucking comedian who's about to go on is going, just thinking to themselves, I'm going to smash the fucking shit out of this. Um, That's what we all think, isn't it? You know, you get that fucking, you know, that little ego inside you, didn't you? Just building up. So your best gig, best gig ever is, uh, has, has not been had yet. The best gig ever in my fucking head is the next gig I'm going to do. 
and then the one after that, and the one after that, and the one after that. And if you keep thinking like that and keep working towards that, you know, that's the idea, isn't it, to have the perfect gig. You know, somebody saying about worse gigs and shit like that, it's difficult sometimes because you could be having a fucking shit gig and dying on your ass. And then there can be one new bit, you know, one new bit that you do within there and it goes quite well. And you're like, oh, fucking great. That's great. I'm happy with that gig because that that little bit, that two, three minute bit went well. And that's fucking brand new, isn't it? Also with best gigs as well. Uh, I always think that like sometimes when you have like a really good gig, but it's old material and you're like, ah, it don't count. It's fucking old material. Because that's what, you know, like that's what you're constantly striving to do. Your best stuff, you're meant to be writing better stuff than that all the time. So it's all about the new stuff. And that's how I judge a good or bad gig, I think. Whether the new stuff goes well or if it was old stuff and it went well, it don't fucking count. So that's the idea. You're just meant to be constantly, it's a conveyor belt of fucking coming up with ideas and uh, getting rid of the old shit, getting the new stuff up to speed and then uh, getting that out of the way for some newer stuff coming up. Uh, and whether you have a good gig or a bad gig can depend on whether some of that new material goes well or badly. You can be smashing the shit out of a gig and then try a new bit, you know, a new five-minute bit or whatever, and it just gets a reasonable response, and you're like, oh, that's a fucking, I fucking struggled at that gig. But you smashed the shit out of the start and you smashed the shit out of the end, you sandwiched it, you took care of that new material, held its little hand in the middle of your set like that, and it doesn't go as well. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, you know. It was an all right gig. You know, that's, a, I don't know, that's the way I see it anyway. It's all about the new stuff, man. Uh, whether it, obviously, I've had some pretty good gigs. Obviously, I've had some pretty bad gigs. But now, because you're trying to build up, like, better stuff and you know you're fucking, you know, you know what you're doing on stage, it's just about, you know, conveying more interesting shit rather than, you know, just the, hello, I'm fucking, you know, married with fucking two kids or whatever. Isn't that shit? Don't I hate my kids? Aren't they annoying? You know, that sort of shit, isn't it? I don't know. I hope that uh, answers uh, all your questions. 38 minutes, people. We have smashed. I've gone on quite a little bit. I, I'm sure I could do a, like a four-hour podcast or something on just, just talking about fucking my opinions on comedy, people. Um... That was episode 110. Um, I will be back. Uh, I've got Tuesday's episode to do. We'll try and get that done Thursday for you people uh, at the latest Friday. Um, that has been episode 110. Have a good week until I speak to you next, motherfuckers. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday stroke Thursday. Take care.